0: Hello there everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the video cast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. And speaking of traveling the world, we're currently in the Philippines. We're in kind of the central western part of the Philippines. It's in a city called uh, Dagupan Dagupan in Pangasinan and it's our first time ever to this area. So just got in and uh, I'm always afraid when I get to a new city how strong or how bad the Fi will be. Well hey, Thumbs up here. It looks like the Wi-Fi is holding up there. Looks like the internet connections decent. It's not perfect, uh, but at least we're able to do this interview with audio and video. And apologies if there is any uh, Wi-Fi hiccups or lags, but hey, this is all part of the Digital Nomad journey. And on today's show, we have a very special guest who was introduced by a common friend, uh, Dan Zaner, who's the anthem of the Adventure Podcast. He's been on our show and we Trade guests back and forth. Whenever Dan needs guests, I send them his way. Whenever I need more guests, he sends them my way. And we definitely have aligned paths in terms of his is all about adventure. Mine's all about making money when traveling. So shout out to Dan for connecting my guests today. Who is another Dan? (laughs) Our our guest today, his name is Dan Grecht. And he's actually the founder of The Road Chose Me. What a great name for a blog and a website. The Road Chose Me. And the website URL is theroadchoseme.com. One of Dan's specialties is overland travel. He's been traveling around in North America, Central America, South America, and now he's in the midst of his African adventure, uh, visiting over 20 different African countries, and uh, he's doing it uh, all over land, uh, so uh, over 30,000 uh, miles, and uh, we're gonna be finding out all about this amazing adventure, not just the African one, but the Central America one, and how he got into this whole uh, passion for overland travel. So super excited to get Dan here on the show. Uh, Dan, how are you doing today, my friend?
1: I'm great, thanks. Thanks, Ricky.
0: Sure. So Dan, uh, why don't we get to know you a little bit better? If you want to uh, you know, share a little bit more about your background, you're originally from Australia, you've been uh, traveling around the world. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, what got you so inspired to travel the world, and uh, share a little bit more for the sake of the people listening and watching today.
1: Oh, for sure, yeah. Uh, I grew up in Australia, as you can probably tell from the accent, and uh, I got lured to North America for the sport and the mountains and the out. And i was in Canada uh, around the Calgary region for a few years, and uh, and I really, I was enthralled by Alaska. And I'd always loved the wild and read all the Jack London tales. And so one day I just thought, if I don't hurry up and get there, like I'm never going to go.
0: It's just the a-
1: dream. So I thought, all right, I'm in my job and I'm going to drive to Alaska. Uh, and so I did. And, and I had a little Jeep because I'd always wanted a Jeep, you know, that I could fold the roof down and take the doors off And my camping gear. And I drove up to Alaska for the summer. And uh, and Alaska is just stunning in, in every possible way. And so I had this amazing time. And along I met, I was like, no, you probably miss surfing a bit. Why don't you go down to Mexico? And then I kind of thought about that for a while. And I thought, oh, that that's sounds really fun. Like that, that'd be a good time. And so Mexico, all of Central America was on the same map. And then so I started doing some research and I started really thinking about it and, and kind of a whole trip drive to Argentina through Central and South America. And then that sort of got me this love of like traveling with my own vehicle and able to go wherever, whenever
0: I want. Uh, I became addicted to it and, and it's changed my whole life. Amazing. Uh, So tell us about when you decide to do this overland travel, you know, there's a lot of options. You can take local public buses, the chicken buses in Latin America. You can uh, take uh, trains in Europe or uh, maybe some parts of Australia or um, in Canada, the U.S., trains. But you actually like to do it not by by public buses or not by trains, but you like to do it in your own vehicle, in a Jeep. Tell us about uh, why choose this path, and what kind of Jeep, or what do you look for when you're actually purchasing the vehicle to drive around in? Yeah, for sure. I
1: uh, just I had the time traveling. I really want to be able to go wherever I want, whenever I want. And so being limited by a local bus schedule or sort of you know, place one day, I just can't go. That just seemed really frustrating to me, and and it wasn't you know, I, I didn't like that compromise. So then I, I guess I'm greedy. I thought about how I on my own terms. And then traveling around Australia and traveling around North America, you know, having your own vehicle is just great. You can cook your own food. So you have an ability to save a lot of money when you have your own vehicle as well. So kind of putting it all together, I thought I oh, want extend journey with a vehicle um, and really like i met people who who've done the trip in a toyota camry all the way up to people doing it in maybe like a half a million you uh, know a four wheel drive vehicle and and really anything can work i mean there's no there's no uh you know you have to have this. have to have that it's like trip you know some people are really into four wheel driving so they kind of want big tires and they're going to go drive the worst roads that and like sitting eating the local food and all of those things so really any car will do and
0: so it's all it's all up to the individual how they choose to trip so now tell us firstly about this uh, big trip from uh, North America through Central America through South America obviously there's this uh, gap it's called the Darien gap and unless you have machetes and unless you have a guide it's very hard to converse o- over the Darien gap so did, uh, when you go get, went from uh, Central America from Panama into Colombia, tell us about how you made that journey, and tell us a little about the route itself. Tell us about the actual route you did. Uh, which countries did you cross through? And uh, tell us more about that particular journey.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, not many people realize, Ricky, that you, you could get in a car and just drive to Panama tomorrow. All you need is your passport in your pocket. You literally don't need anything else. You don't special permission needed, you know, complicated paperwork. You really do. It, it's quite easy to just drive in. and the roads are really good. If, if you stick to the highway, there's you know, a 50 mile an hour, no problem. Um, and so through Central America, I decided to visit every country. So after Mexico, I leave, kind of all the way down to Panama um, and just, a couple of months on the beach, I was surfing, I was hiking uh, in Guatemala. I like a lot of just amazing adventures. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, when you get to Panama, there is no road from Panama to Colombia. They've never built it through this kind of swampy, jungle area. So common, lots of people do it. You put your vehicle inside a shipping container. So I drove it into the big steel box uh, and they tie the vehicle to the basic shipped across on an ocean liner. I jumped on a plane, and then five days later, I was in Colombia, and then out of this box and then going all through South America. Um, and then once you get there, once you're in Colombia and you have your own vehicle, kind of my mind just explodes and just go anywhere I want. I can just, you know, next week I could be in Peru, or I could go the other way and be in Brazil, or... the possibility, once you're around in South America.
0: So there's obviously always highlights and lowlights of any trip, anywhere, any part of the world. So tell us about some of those highlights and lowlights, some of the, 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 the good things and also some of the bad things that happen between this whole journey all the way through South America. Tell us a little bit more.
1: Plenty of highlights. For me, I love being outside. I love hiking. I love the mountains. And so there was every day in Peru and I can out, to, you know, glacier capped peaks in the distance. Um, so for me, kind of the, the wilderness aspect was the huge highlight for me. And um, well, and people are just so forgiving, even when I made mistakes or pronounced things badly, nobody cared. Everyone was just friendly. Um, so they were the highlights. Weather, living in a tent is not very fun. And so, like, a couple of days of rain isn't so bad, but once it's a week of solid rain, you know, like, everything, all loads of tent, my sleeping bags wet. And that's when you just say, like, I've had enough. I don't want to do this with my life anymore. Uh, so, bad weather was always a lot And for me, myself, I, I struggled a little bit kind of with loneliness and with kind of not really knowing what my purpose was anymore. I thought, why am I even doing this? and and a bit yeah I was lonely I was by myself every day Um, so that was something I had to work through as well
0: well you know you brought up a very interesting point uh, there Dan about this uh, why am I doing this right like uh, you know people say oh you know I want to explore the world I want to see cultures I want to meet people I want to try the food I want to see you know God's beautiful creation or the man-made wonders Uh, but tell us about that uh, kind of that introspection because travel actually allows us to be philosophical and understand life and culture and people and politics and geography and history and you know how the world works so tell us about what have your reflections and your analysis taught you about life about people about the world yeah, a
1: really big part of it when uh, I, I would meet someone and, and kind of maybe get to know them and then I'd say, oh, do, do you remember when we were on that mountain in Colombia? And I'd happen to think, oh, that's right. They, they weren't with me on that mountain in Colombia. In fact, nobody was with me on that mountain in Colombia. And so, in a fun sense, it's like it's almost real because I have nobody to share it with. I have photos and I have my own memory, but because I have no one to talk uh, talk to about it and say young or old, it it isn't quite as real. And so. For me, I had to do a lot of introspection and a lot of like, like what do I actually want to do? with, my life? And uh, is this the best thing I could be doing right now? Or should I stop this and, and go and do something else with my life? And, and that was something I did with that, and just flying back to Canada. Um, but in the end, I decided, you know, it was, it was one of those things that the, the achievement is worthwhile and decided to stick it out. And I'm really glad I did. It, uh, it really was rewarding and, and it feels like a real achievement now when I look back on it to say, you know, I, and there were, there were always, you know, better days on the horizon. So you'd, you'd have those days that are maybe one out of 10, but then the following day could be a 10. a
0: 10 months. Yeah, no, definitely that there's, uh, you know, a lot of people think uh, when you're traveling, you're just sitting on the beach and <laughs> chewing tequilas all the time. But there's definitely stressful moments, uh, times of loneliness, times of feeling homesick, times of anger where you're just like, man, this culture, the the things don't work. And why didn't I just go back home? So I can definitely relate to those uh, struggles. And I just, I, I love to share those things on the show as well, that it's not always going to be uh Mountains literally, and it's not just gonna be mountains figuratively, but it's gonna be those downtimes, depression, uh, anger, frustration, confusion. It's all part of life, and it's of course all part of travel as well. Um, so, you've done uh, obviously that the, the big trip, uh, North, uh, Central, South America, and then of course, you have the travel bug, and you felt that wasn't big enough. The Americas, North, and South America, you had to hit the hardest continent in the world. Africa with 54 countries. Uh, tell us about uh, the whole conception of the Africa trip and from conception to actually starting out.
1: Right When I in Argentina, I remember I said to some friends, you know, either, either I'll never do this again and it'll just be something I did when I was crazy or be so addicted to it, it's going to consume my life and it turned into option number two. Uh, and, and I realized the, the parts of the South America trip that I love the most, they were the parts when I was further away from nations, really, really far out there. Um, the standout highlight was driving across the salt flats in Bolivia and then driving across the Atacama Desert Chile. And so about days of just complete nothingness, no gas stations, no, you know, just nothing camping out in the wilderness. Um, and I was... T- Friends, that and they said, you know, we know Dan. We really think you would love Africa. We, you know, Africa has that in spades. This wilderness, just go out and like you don't know what you're gonna find. It's unknown. Um, and they also said at the time, they said, hurry up and get there because Africa is changing really fast. Um, and so when I got back, I after the trip, I flew back to Canada, um, and I got started saving money. And so I immediately started kind of dreaming and planning and really thinking, how am I gonna make this dream come true? Uh, the first four years, I sat at a desk and basically just put every cent I could into a savings account. Um, and while doing that, I was researching and our visas, and then slowly, slowly the dream came together. And, it, and then the day came, and you know, I quit my job and, and set off on this next big event of own again, which was really exciting and, and definitely a bit terrifying at the same time.
0: Yeah, you know. Uh, speaking of fears, I think a lot of people have fears <laughs> around Africa. Firstly, for safety. Secondly, for health. Uh, a lot of diseases in the area, and then uh, a lot of the political situation, the visas, uh, the governments. There's so much. Uh, there's so many issues uh, in a lot of those uh, African countries, especially, I guess, like Western Africa. So, tell us about the route you've taken. Um, where did you start your trip? And uh, tell us about uh, so far. What are the countries you've done? And uh, Tell us about maybe some of the highlights there as well, highlights and lowlights of the places you've visited so far in Africa.
1: Something I noticed earlier, the the Pacific Africa and the reality when you get on the ground, they're definitely two completely different things. Uh, from day one, I, I entered in Morocco. Uh, uh, from day one, people are unbelievably friendly and kind and generous. People on the street, they're they're more friendly than anyone I've ever met in Australia or Canada or the US. Um, So that, like, we get underway, you know, you kind of, you have this feeling of, like, people are all in this together and they're not out to get me, you know, the, the media might think, make it feel like. started out in Morocco and I came down hugging the West Coast for quite a while. So through Mauritania, Senegal, Gambia... And that was where the, the trip really, uh, I really sunk into it. I'd learned enough French by then to be able to talk to people. And so for me, countries like Oso, so Um And then Togo and Benin, they're only little countries, but they're really friendly and really kind of vibrant and fun. Um, Nigeria is like no other I've been to on the planet. so fast and so hectic and, and these huge big guys with AK-47s on the side of the road. Like, like hey man nice to meet you welcome you're like and uh and so yeah it, and then it just kind of rolled on from there into the the jungle regions near the equator so cameroon Gabon, stunning stunning wilderness and wildlife and it's just wide open it's one of the least populated countries on earth like people per square mile so you can go seeing people or really more than a handful of people um and then crossing i had to cross both Congo. That place is absolutely different than anywhere I've been on Earth. Where, where I was, I was over in the West. Uh, just, but again, extremely friendly people, extremely happy, extremely kind people that lutz and have things. They're happy, and people I know back home who go to work every day. Um, and so, yeah, West Africa is, I think, is a phenomenal. Part of the earth because there are virtually not there are so many beautiful things to see and do so many friendly people um and so my advice to, to anyone that kind of has, has the as the inclination like my advice is get to africa as fast as you can because it's changing uh, and i don't think it'll be that way forever
0: yeah pretty much the exact same advice that you got now you're giving to others uh, you know paying it forward so to speak uh, so what are you going to do next in terms of africa are you planning to do Every single country. There's 54 total countries. Are you going to uh, do as many as many as possible? What's the game plan with the rest of Africa?
1: So after West Africa, I, I went to the southern tip uh, in South Africa, and now I'm making my way back up the east coast. Uh, central goal is to make my way up to in North. Um, and while I would like to visit every country, it, it hasn't necessarily been my goal all along. I am. I'm aware there's a few countries that are probably just off-limits safety. Um, Somalia, I, I just don't think it makes sense to go there from a safety perspective. Um, Central African Republic maybe is on that list, maybe Chad as well. Um, so I, I don't really intend to go to those countries, but I do intend to go to as many as I can where, where I get the information that people say, hey, you know, it's safe enough, and uh, where I can get a visa, then yeah, you know, I plan on visiting about 15 more countries. Uh, on the way up to Egypt.
0: So in terms of the vehicle, I'm sure like any vehicle, no matter where the vehicle is, you're going to have problems, right? Uh, with maintenance, with repairs, with breakdowns, with running out of fuel, uh, you know, just issues that any vehicle anywhere would have. Uh, so tell us about how has the vehicle survived and thrived while on the road? Uh, how has that been going in terms of the vehicle itself?
1: Right, and it's a really big worry that a lot of people have. You know, I'm not a mechanic if it breaks down. The first thing to remember is that in Africa, like all of the cars, are, well, not all of them, but a lot of the cars are very badly maintained and apart. And so they're used to vehicles breaking down and they're used to helping people whose vehicles have broken down. So even if you were to break down, someone would come along and help you and offer you, you know, a ride or spare parts or an, and they would tow you into some town where a guy can fix anything with a piece of wire and some duct tape. Um, so it's scarier to make it out to be. Uh, like I ran out of gas recently in Zambia, uh, totally just my own fault, bad planning. And the very first car picked me up, you know, I stuck my thumb out, took me into a gas station and then they even waited for me, found a, found a can for me and then drove me back and, you know. There was even a bit of a language barrier there and it it didn't even matter, They, you know, because I'm sure it's into them and and so they're willing to help others as well. Um, But overall, I've been really lucky. My Jeep has been going really well. There's a couple of minor things have happened, but it is never let down uh, and is never actually like broken down, so to speak. Uh, So it's going really well.
0: Well you know uh, besides the you know the running out of uh, gas uh, you know you, you seem to have done very well there in terms of the jeep itself i've heard uh, some nightmare stories to do with like visas and you know like uh, you you get to a country and then you try to cross and they deny you or there's a wrong uh, day, entry date on the visa so tell us about the whole bureaucracy how 's it gone with the visas? Have you got most of them in have you got the most of them in advance like how have you dealt with it? Do you get some on arrival? Have you had any big issues in terms of uh, you know, being stopped at the immigration or customs. Walk us through that part of your journey too.
1: Yeah, for sure. And and in that regard, I think West Africa is fairly unique. In that it is a choice that it is quite difficult to get visas for. Um, and so I chose not to get any visas beforehand. I just got all the visas as I, as I made my way down the coast. Um, and it was really just a game of being persistent. And so some countries you can get a visa on arrival, some countries you can just get the visa the embassy you're in the country for that. And then some countries require a lot of pre planning. So like Nigeria, for example, they are really notoriously they don't want to give a visa to just a traveller. And and normally if you walk into an embassy, they're just gonna say like go to your home country. We don't wanna give you a visa, just just go away. Like go go back to Australia. Course, you know, I'm on road, I can't just fly to Australia to get a visa for Nigeria. So, what it became is just like a persistence thing. So, I would go into the embassy in and ask for a visa, and they said, No, we're not going to give you one. And then, so I tried in Senegal, can I have no, we're not going to give you a visa. But then, when I got to Bamako, in for whatever reason, the ambassador there, like, Sure, I'll give you a visa, I don't mind. And when I paid, I think it was fairly obvious he put the money in his pocket, but I got so <laughs> that's all that really matters. Um, and then for the most part, things function, I think, more than people assume. So when you get to a border crossing, it's all quite formal. They have big ledgers that they're writing everything in. They have their entry stamp, their exit stamp. And, you know, they inspect the visa. They have a good look at my passport. And then they say, okay, you've got a visa. We're going to stamp you in. And, and I've never really had a hassle where they try to like really hold me up or deny me. Um, people always kind of insist. New I could give them money. Sometimes people are just stand my ground, and I just say no. Uh, and it's never been a problem. I've never paid a bribe.
0: So, so bribery as well isn't. Yeah, you're definitely correcting a lot of those uh, incorrect stereotypes. You know, you got to bribe your way through. You're going to get denied a lot. You're going to have to get all your visas in advance. You're definitely proving everything you hear is wrong to some degree. Uh, so, what has been the worst thing that has happened on the trip so far, in terms of all your travels, in South America, Central America, North America, Africa, let's hear about the lowest point or the worst possible scenario that's happened to you. Right, for sure. And uh, I think a lot lot of
1: the the myths uh, I'm correcting there, I hold for maybe that's how it was 10 or 20 years ago, and I think it just isn't true anymore. Um, But yeah, for me, worst thing for sure, I'm on the road for not anti-malarial tablets uh, because they're probably bad for your liver if you take them for too long. So in Mali, I got malaria. Um, and it was blood, cold, or blue. Where I, I felt pretty crap, but there's a, a tablet you can take when you think you have malaria, and it, and it fixes you up pretty good. And so within a while, I was going to be okay, and then three or four days later, I was normal again. Uh, but I got malaria again in Angola, and it was really, really bad for about four days, I couldn't, I didn't eat, uh, I could barely talk. Uh, and it was horrible. I, I mean, I don't want to say I thought I was dying. Uh, I, did, I didn't didn't was dying, but I sure feel good. Uh, I sleep, I, yeah. So about four days of that and ended up uh, injecting a special drug. Uh, I had a friend in my butt uh, on the side of the road uh, and then eventually came good and, and I'm fine now. So, they were definitely the worst days uh, of my expeditions, maybe the worst days of my life, actually. Well, the main thing
0: is you've lived to tell the stories. Uh, so I have to flip it around. You know, you shared the worst, the, the most uh, challenging time in terms of getting malaria, feeling like, so to speak, you're dying. Uh, tell us about the best. What has been the absolute best moment, experience, uh, highlight of the entire trip or of your, all your travels so far?
1: Yeah, for me, Ricky, actually, it, it happens repeatedly. Um, and every time it happens, I really, I get bumps and it really makes my hair stand on end. You know, I'm I'm travelling through this land. I'm in a, a strange vehicle. I've got a different skin colour than everyone. I don't speak the language. I've got long hair. I look pretty strange. You know, and I, and I kind of, I show up in some small town where, like, there are no white people, tourists, And for no reason whatsoever people will come up to me and shake my hand and say, you are welcome. And that just, to me, it it restores my faith that like people on the planet are really good. Um, So many times I go into like a local bar, you know, where, I mean, there's in there and and they just come over and start shaking my hand and chatting to me and, and saying, yeah, yeah, please like come and play pool with us or come and throw darts with us. And even if we don't share a language, it's irrelevant. They just make me feel so welcome, you know, and, and I stop and think about when was the last time that happened to a stranger in Australia or in our world, but in Africa, the, the kind of the sense of community and the sense of welcome, it's so strong and it, and it really affects me. I, I really feel to be able to meet people like this and, and have these experiences. It, it, yeah, it, it just fills me with happiness.
0: Yeah, great to hear. Great to hear. Definitely travel restores your faith in humanity and uh, just the, the, the kind people, no matter where you live, um, no matter where you live in the world, they're going to be kind, uh, generous, helpful um, people. So, yeah, I definitely want to echo your sentiments there. So one of the things you're doing, Dan, is you're actually documenting all of your travels on TheRoadChoseMe.com. So tell us about when did you start that website and uh, what are the major themes and topics you write about on your site?
1: Right. So uh, before I left for Argentina, I knew I wanted to share photos and stories with friends and family. And so I started doing the trip and I I kind of write about my day-to-day. I write about people I meet and places I go. And then as time went on, people were following, maybe planning on doing something similar. So now I try really hard to also include the information people would need to do it themselves. So I write about all the border crossings. I write about how much it costs. I write where to get visas. Um, so people, maybe if they get inspired or if they're interested in visiting a place, all that information is there as well. Um, as well as, you know, I, I like to uh, really enjoy photography. So I try hard to post all of my best photos and and inspire people that way as well.
0: Yeah, it's a very comprehensive site. I had a chance to look at it before and uh, you have a lot of detail. Uh, You even have your map of the exact route you've gone through, every single country, the miles, uh, you know, breakdown of all the places you visited. So it's definitely very thorough and comprehensive for people who are maybe considering doing something similar. And I know you get this question a lot and a lot of people have this question regarding money, finances, funding the trip. Uh, So maybe you can share with us, you talked about you were saving every penny uh, for the trip, Uh, but tell us about how you've been able to fund the trip Are you working while traveling as well? Is any kind of extra income coming in? And maybe you can uh, tell us about a rough budget. Uh, If you're traveling through central South America, what was the budget there? And now that you're in Africa, what is the rough budget per day in terms of everything, Um, in terms of food, sightseeing, uh, transport, gasoline, repairs, and more?
1: Yeah, Ricky, this is definitely the number one question I get asked, you know, people kind of... at once for me, though, um, I save up as much as I can. So I worked as an engineer, a desk job for four years. Uh, and so I yeah, I focus on saving of my money. So I walk to work, uh, no eating out, no drinking beer, super cheap cell phone, uh, no Netflix. All, all of those expenses shovel into a savings account. Uh, and I do that, you know, as much as I can handle for as long as I can handle. Um, and then when I'm on the road, um, especially this time, I'm really hard at money as I go. I decided I, I would see if that's a workable thing that I can do to try and fund my travels. And so I've written a couple of ebooks. Uh, one of them is about saving money, actually. Um, I've just published my first print book about my Alaska to Argentina trip. And uh, uh, I've got some advertising on my website. And I'm also this time I'm writing for some magazines as well. Um, so mostly four-wheel drive magazines or, or overlanding magazines. Um, and so I'm writing articles and and doing photos about all of my travels. Um, and so my plan there with making money is I, I like to think none of them needs to pull trip, but if each of them contribute a hundred or two hundred dollars a month, like combined, that'll really help supplement my savings and it'll it'll make my savings stretch a lot longer. Um, yeah, and as far as budgets. It's, it's a really common thing people say if, if you drive a vehicle around the world, kind of irrelevant of where you go, spend about one and a half thousand US dollars a month for absolutely everything. So that's petrol, food or gas, food, lodging, because often you're camping, activities, rep- absolutely everything. The majority of people spend around one and a half thousand dollars a month. Uh, and that's for two people in, in a four wheel drive. Um, That'll vary, like, if you want to eat out a lot and drink beer a lot, that's probably going to get closer to $2,000 a month. Um, but then, like, for example, I was six weeks, and I did eat out a lot, actually, but street food's really cheap, uh, and I drove really long distances, uh, but gas is... I think in Angola, in six weeks, I only spent about $600. Um, so, you know, it, it varies, but somewhere around 1500 a month is a, is, is a good starting point people would spend
0: Yeah because you've got to consider you're not actually flying and usually flights and accommodation are the two biggest costs for any travel. If you're flying somewhere it's going to break the bank and of course if you're staying in hotels uh, that's going to break the bank too. So you've cut those costs because you're traveling overland and uh, of course you're sleeping in your jeep as well and camping out. So pretty much and you can cook and also uh, the major cost probably for you is the fuel and uh, maybe some sightseeing excursions here and there but uh, fuel and maybe some visas as well. Um, So you probably get this question as well, but what's next? (laughs) You've done Alaska to Argentina, and then you've done West Africa, down all the way to South Africa, then up to north and back into Egypt. You're in the midst of that. And then are you gonna do London to, you know, like uh, Europe to Asia? Are you gonna do uh, another part of the world that you haven't explored? Are you gonna revisit some of the places? What is next for you, Dan? (laughs) <laughs> That's a really good question.
1: Uh, next for me, I feel like uh, I definitely I would get a while, you know, to have friends, to go to the gym, just kind of, I guess, be normal for a while. I'm really looking forward to. Um, but of course, in the back of my mind, you know, there there is there is the dream of of a future trip, um, and definitely like London to Southeast Asia, that one. Yeah, that really, I dream of the stands, Kazakhstan and all of that. Um, and then also, like, Australia is an enormous place and I've hardly seen any of it. You know, there's, there's the op around us. Um, so I guess for me, I don't have, like, a concrete plan for the future other than, like, be something. There'll, there'll be a way to, to, bring, to bring something together. And what that turns out to be, I don't know yet.
0: Yeah, no I de- definitely look forward to uh, following you along. I can almost see it now the the Europe to Asia route because that's uh, the main part of the world and of course Australia <laughs> which is relatively easy compared to what you've done already I actually had a chance to do Australia I did the entire loop I was living in Sydney went down to Melbourne down to Perth and then up to Broome, uh, uh, and then up to Darwin uh, did Cairns all the way down and I did Alice Springs Ayers Rock so I done a lot of Australia we did uh, South America every country in South America we did every country in South America in Europe I've done about 20 plus countries in Asia about 20 plus countries so for us we're actually planning to Africa next so I'm, I'm super excited to pick your brain more as we do more planning about our trip to Africa in 2019 Uh, so you've been you've been amazing on the show here I want to wrap up by asking some advice or tips for people who are considering doing something similar Dan Um, you know they might just want to start overlanding. it might be just across the US across Canada across Australia they might want to do something more crazier or more adventurous like South and Central America like Africa or Europe to Asia what advice or tips would you give to someone who's just starting out who's never done something like what you have done. Any uh, suggestions for them? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Uh, My number one piece of advice to people is just to get out there and... Next time you have a long weekend or next time a week of leave from work, throw a couple of things in your car and it doesn't matter what car you have. You don't need a big four-wheel drive. If you don't have a free tent, Anything will do, you know, a cooler box and a tent from Walmart. That's perfectly fine. And, and go camping for the weekend. And your passion is mountain biking. Great. You could work that into the trip. Or maybe your passion is hiking or fishing or, I mean, um, and definitely take your kids along. There are a lot of people driving around the world with kids, although, you know, you wouldn't think it, but it definitely can be done. Um, so I would say no one advice. Just get out there and have a go, and just try it. Um, and if you love it, the more you love it, the more you're gonna start making decisions in your life. So you do it more. Often. And we could think, well, I'd love to drive to Alaska for a summer, you know, and hang out for a couple of months, and then drive back. It's like, oh, I'm gonna need time off work, saving some, and I better start like sowing the seed with my boss of like, hey, boss, I'm gonna want to take some unpaid leave, like. I'll work extra in the winter and less in the summer or like maybe I can work on the road or whatever your unique situation is. I think it's about like find a way to work and just start working on it now.
0: Yeah, definitely some great advice there. You can travel no matter where you are, whether it's your own province, your own state, your own country, the country next door. And then you get a little bit more, you know, working the travel muscle, do something more brave, more adventurous. And then soon you'll have seen the world, just like Dan and just like myself are in the midst of doing. So in conclusion here, Dan, um, you know, you've been amazing. Uh, you know, I love this interview. I could just sit here and talk with you for hours on end more. But, uh, you know, our podcast is limited in terms of the time. Uh, so how can people connect with you if they want to follow your journeys more? Maybe uh, check out your blog, check out your photography, follow you on social media, et cetera. Absolutely, yeah. You, you mentioned my website, Ricky, is
1: the Road Chose Me. Com, and I'm across social media as well with that same name. So I've got Facebook, Instagram, and on YouTube as well. I'm posting lots of videos because I'm posting video from Nigeria and from the Congo and from places that aren't often seen on YouTube. Uh, so if you want to see what it looks like, Nigeria, go check out my videos. Uh, they're pretty fun, actually. Some some interesting kind of bribery things and, and uh, river crossings and stuff like that. Uh, step so contact me.
0: And you might as well plug away at your books. You said you have the couple of books, one print, one digital. Uh, share about those books as well. Uh, what are the books and how can people get a, a copy of those? Thanks, Ricky. Yeah, uh, my books are on
1: Amazon. Uh, my first one is called Work Less Your Dreams. And so that's all I go about Sunny and then eventually working less. Uh, and then also I've just published a print book also on Amazon uh, and it's called The Road Chosen volume 1 and it's a whole travel log of my trip from Alaska to Argentina and it's also about all of the lessons I learned along the way. I met a lot of unique characters who shaped my life with their kind of words of wisdom and so they're all in the
0: book as well. So There you go. Volume one. And of course, volume two will be coming out about Africa and then volume three about Europe to Asia and then volume four about Australia and so on and so forth. I look forward to reading all those books as well. So Dan, uh, thanks, my friend. uh, And I definitely wish you the best in the rest of your African adventure. And I look forward to staying connected uh, to a fellow adventurer. Thanks again, Dan. Thank you very much. You too. It's been a real pleasure. All right, and uh, make sure you connect with Dan. Once again, his website's called The Road Chose Me. The Road Make sure you connect with us as well. We're daddyblogger.com. And if you're interested in this whole area of being a digital nomad, make sure you check out digitalnomadmastery.com. So thanks, everyone, for tuning into this uh, very inspiring episode all about overland, overland travel from Alaska to Argentina and, of course, around Africa as well. So thanks, everyone, and we'll catch up with you guys in the next episode. Happy travels.